Good morning, Devin Wilkins. Good morning, Simon Trevoranis. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And how's everybody out there? Yes, welcome to Insight Peterborough, which is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind and... And big idea at the Innovation Cluster. Yes, we have a busy day today. We're going to start out by talking about um, organ donation because uh, April is Organ Donation Month. So um, let's begin with a song by Jerry Lewis, you know, the comedian Jerry Lewis, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called... It All Depends on You. All right. I can be happy, I can be sad I can be good or I can be bad It all depends on you I can be lonely out in a crowd I can be humble, I can be proud It all depends on you I can save money or spend it Go right on living or end it You're to blame, honey, for what I do I know that I can be beggar, I can be king, I can be almost any old thing. It all depends on you. It all depends on you. It all depends on you I can save money or spend it Go right on living or end it You're to blame, honey, for what I do I know that I can be beggar I can be king I can be almost any old thing It all depends on you Depends on you And there's uh, Jerry Lewis with It All Depends on You. And the reason that we played uh, Jerry Lewis, who, of course, is not Canadian, but he did have pulmonary fibrosis. And later we're going to be chatting with uh, somebody who does have pulmonary fibrosis. But first, uh, we have with us Steve Scally, who is the district... Uh, chair for Lions District A3 uh, for um, organ donations. Uh, is is that the uh, the title there, Steve? Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, I'm the chair for the Gift of Life program. 
gift of life. Ah, yes. That's uh, this is organ donation. Right. Yeah. That's a much uh, fancier and uh, nicer way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tomorrow will mark the first anniversary of the horrible uh, crash in Humboldt, Saskatchewan that took uh, 16 members of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team and injured another 13. And uh, just days before that horrible event, one of the uh, young men, Logan Boulay, told his parents that he wanted to donate his organs whenever anything happened. Well, little did they know how quickly um, that would become necessary. And uh, when, he, when his parents donated their son's organs, a lot of people uh, followed suit, thank goodness, and uh, did the, the same thing. And uh, uh, Steve, I wonder if you could tell us um, how important uh, the need for organ donations is. I don't know if I can tell you exactly how important it is. It's enormously important. Um, what we're talking about here is generating longer life uh, when others' have, lives have ended. Currently, for example, in Ontario, there are just over 1,600 people waiting for a variety of different organ transplants. Mm -hmm. And regrettably, much of that will require uh, passing of someone else like young Logan, um, who have agreed to donate their organs. Many of these people who are waiting are, are youthful, like Logan, and many are middle-aged. There's a whole variety. There's no, um, there's no fairness in who needs an organ transplant or what age the need can strike. So is the need great? Yes. People are dying for lack of these organs. Uh, every three days, somebody who's on that list waiting for an organ transplant will die. Oh, dear. Yes. And uh, you have a personal connection with organ transplants, don't you? I do indeed, Devin. Uh, it goes back to 23 and a half years ago when my wife also was in need of a double lung transplant due to a genetic disorder that she was born with that ultimately uh, destroyed her lungs. And uh, she was very fortunate. The uh, lungs became available a week before Christmas. Wow. Which meant, yeah, which meant, unfortunately, a family somewhere was in grief over the sudden loss of a family member. Mm -hmm. But even in that state, they knew their family member wanted to donate organs, and they allowed that to happen. And as a consequence, my wife received a double lung transplant, and she's still with those same lungs now 23 and a half years later. Wow. Wonderful. Wow. Yes. And during the course of that time, um, my wife also found herself in need of a kidney transplant from an, another disorder. Uh, and I was able to make that donation. So I'm, in fact, uh, not only am I signed up to be an organ donor upon my death, I am a living organ donor as well. Oh, my. That's great, uh, Steve. And it's possible to do that with a kidney. And, uh, and now um, uh, the liver can be, a uh, piece of the liver can be... Uh, given to somebody else, right? Indeed, that's true. Uh, the liver and kidneys are the easiest ones to do, of course, but there are some others as well. It's possible to do a partial lung transplant. It's partial to, uh, possible to do uh, bone marrow transplants as well. We mustn't forget about those. So, uh, you know, there, there are other living donation options as well, but it is the kidney and the liver that is most common. Hmm. And... Um, 
what else uh, can can uh, medical science uh, now make use of? Uh, well, if uh, we're talking about uh, a donor who has passed away, there's uh, eight major organs that they can be used: uh, heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, pancreas, uh, bowel. Oh, I got all of them. And of course, uh, cornea is from the eyes. Yes. And in addition to that, there's 75 other tissues that could be used: um, connective tissues, cartilage, uh, and other parts of the body, skin, uh, bone grafts that can be used as well. So uh, a donor in their death can actually aid up to as many as 75 people. Wow. <clears throat> That's great. Hmm. How does someone uh, go about uh, making sure that that happens? Well, it's a very simple process. Uh, the easiest way is online, www.beadonor.ca just like it sounds, mm -hmm. donor.ca, and you can register online. You will need your health card to do that. Uh, if you can't get online, you can go to a service Ontario where you get your license renewed and so on and pick up a form there. Or I can give you a 1-800 number, 1-800-263-2833, and you can do it by phone. Now, what's important is once that form is done, the family members still have the right to refuse. And in instances where the family have not discussed with the donor, the fact that the donor wishes to be an organ donor, up to 60% of them will refuse. But once that discussion has taken place, that drops down to 10%. So it's very important once you register yourself to be a donor uh, with the province, you must also speak with your family and let them know that this is your wish and that you very strongly insist that they do that. Hmm. So there's no sense putting it in your will. You have to actually physically discuss that. Yes, you you don't want to wait until uh, you know your funeral has already taken place before the family discovers that you wanted to be an organ donor. It's a little late then. So yes, it's very it's very important to discuss it with family to let them know this is these are your wishes, but it's also necessary to register. Hmm. Yes. And, you know, the old paper ones, your driver's license and so on, are not valid. You must go online or make, make that phone call or go to the Service Ontario and fill out the form there. When your new health card comes in, on the back of it, it will say that you are a donor hmm. or that you are registered to be a donor. Right. And so you know that any time you change your mind, you can go through the same process and change your mind. So it's not absolute. You have the final say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, earlier this week, um, Nova Scotia uh, announced that they were going to bring in a, um, now, can Pres I? Presumed presumed, consent. Presumed, yes, presumed con consent. What do you, uh, what do you think of uh, that idea, Steve? In order, uh, in other words, they would, they would uh, just assume that you uh, consented and go ahead and, and take the organs uh, from a, yeah. a body. Yeah, they're going ahead with the idea of presumptive, that because, because you didn't say you don't want to be an organ donor, that you'll automatically be an organ donor. Yeah. Um, and I, I foresee some difficulty with that because many people will find that um, an infringement on their right to choose. 
but generally, I think it's a it's a good idea, and perhaps with more education, they will have the option to opt out. If you don't want to go ahead with that you, in Nova Scotia, you'll be able to say, no, I do not want to be an organ donor, and fair enough, then you won't be. Right. Um, but as I say, currently in Ontario, as an example, there are 1,600 people waiting for organs. Wow. I don't know how many there are in Nova Scotia, perhaps not as many because their population isn't that great. But many of those people who are waiting for transplants in Nova Scotia and in the far east of Canada actually come to Ontario to have the surgeries done. Is that right? So, yes, uh, it's wow. quite common to see people, particularly for the heart, lungs, the major transplants. Uh, they're, they're, those surgeries are most often done here in Ontario. So it's regionalized. So um, it, the need is great. And in the case of, for example, of those 1,600 people in Ontario waiting, 1,400 are waiting for kidneys. Oh, my kidneys goodness. can be donated with live donors. So my question is, how come they haven't got kidneys already? Yeah. And the answer is, of course, people aren't informed. Right. They don't know that they can go ahead and do this. Hmm. Is there any upper age limit, Steve, for, for people who can donate? Well, uh, my knowledge is that the oldest uh, organ or tissue donor was 91, and the oldest recipient was 103. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course it will depend. As you get older, some of our organs start to fail. They may not be suitable for doning, uh, but other tissues may be. So, um, you know, the, that option to be able to donate something upon your passing is uh, is still there right up until at least 91. I'm really curious about why folks wouldn't want to donate their organs. I mean, you mentioned that 60% of, of folks... Hi there, can you hear me? Are you still there? Kevin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, can you oh, hear okay. Simon? Can you hear me? Uh, no, I cannot hear Simon, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not sure why. You got your microphone up there, Simon? I'm right here. Can you yeah. hear me? Oh, we got you now, Simon. Yep, you're sounding good. Great. So I'm just curious about why the 60% of folks uh, choose to not donate their family's uh, organs. Like, what? what's the reason that, what's the good reason that people have to not do this? Uh, largely um, ignorance. They're not familiar, A, with the pro process, and B, the, that's in the instance of, of where the person who wishes to be a donor did not take time to talk to their family members and say, I want to do this. So there's hesitancy because they do, they're not certain that this is the wish of their family member. So even though it's on your card that you wish to be a member, if you have not discussed it with your family, then these are just the numbers that we currently have that suggest when an individual who wants to be a donor did not discuss it ahead of time with their family, the families tend to not want to go along with it. And I, I believe it's ignorance, lack of knowledge about what's involved with organ donations and so on. There's nothing, uh, once a, a body has passed and organs are donated, it's generally within 12 to 24 hours that the body is returned to the family and a normal funeral proce process can go ahead. Uh, open caskets are possible and so on. There's but I think that many families who don't know about this in advance are concerned with those issues, and perhaps that's why they hesitate. Right. So we need to do as much uh, education as possible. That's for sure. And uh, is there anything else that uh, I sh we should have been asking you, Steve, that we haven't? 
I'm sorry, Devin, I, I cannot hear you. Is there anything that uh, we haven't asked you yet that we should have? Is there anything that you want to discuss about about this? Well, I'd just like to let people know that uh, you know, all the major religions um, have issued statements that they are either in favor of or will leave it up to individuals to make that decision. Uh, there are a, a few smaller groups that, that are against it. Some are against the idea of the organs being donated for experimental purposes, but if it's done as a life-saving mechanism, then they are in favor. So in, in the case of all the major religions, they are not opposed to organ donation. So keep that in mind. But if you want, you should talk with your religious leader if that's an issue, uh, if, you're, if you're wondering about whether or not they support it. We need to have as many people as possible sign up, because obviously if I'm in northern Ontario when I pass, I may not be able to donate organs by, the, by time delay um, you know, to get to a hospital where the organs are needed. So even though many people sign up, only a few are actually in a prime position to donate the organ at the time of their death. So we do need more people to sign, and they need those people then to talk to their family members and let the family members know this is what I want to do. And that young Logan from the Humboldt uh, team, that's exactly what he did. He told his parents this is what he wanted to do. Unfortunately, it happened way too soon in his life. Yes. But they knew this was his wish, and six people now have uh, life um, thanks to his sacrifice. Well, that's wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and chatting with us, and um, uh, good luck with the... Uh, continued uh, gift of life uh, program there. Well, thank you very much, Devin. Thank you, Simon, for this opportunity to speak to the good people of Peterborough. And uh, you, know, you know my contact information. Should anybody would like to talk more about it, I would be happy to do that or to go online to www.beadonor.ca. That's wonderful, Steve. Thank you very much. I'm. Uh, we're just now going to play uh, an interview that I did last Saturday with Peter Day. You know Peter? Yes, I know Peter. Yes, yeah. Um, he is hoping to get a, a lung, double lung transplant, and uh, he allowed me to um, visit his home. Uh, he and I live in the same building, so he, he allowed uh, me to go up there and uh, do a, a brief interview with him. So we'll, we'll hear uh, a story from the uh, point of view of a, a potential recipient. Well, I certainly wish him good luck and a speedy uh, transplant. Yes, yes, for sure. Thanks so much, Steve. Take good Thank care, you, and we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Bye now. And that was uh, Steve Scally, who is the uh, district uh, chair for District A3 of the Lions, and he was talking about the Gift of Life uh, program. Uh, which uh, involves uh, organ uh, donations so that transplants can take place. And as I mentioned, uh, I did have the opportunity last uh, Saturday to go uh, and have a chat with Peter Day. He is the uh, president of the East Peterborough Lions Club, and um, he will tell you his story. Have you got that, uh, Simon? Yeah, I do. All We've got a song lined up too. Which one do you want to go to first? Um, do we have, do we have time for? Oh yeah, we probably have time for a little bit of music. Yeah, some Kevin Denbach with Turning. 
Yeah. And then we'll go right into Ke your interview? Yes. Kevin uh, had uh, cystic fibrosis. I knew him when uh, I lived in Collingwood, uh, and he was from Collingwood, and he uh, put together an album called um, People Like You, um, the proceeds of which he donated to uh, the uh, Cystic Fibrosis uh, Canada. And uh, here is one of the cuts from that album called Turning. First of all, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the program with us. Oh, Devin, it's a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you for also agreeing to talk to us about this um, personal situation of yours. Absolutely. So when, uh, how did you come to um, require a double lung transplant? Well, that's the unknown question, Dev. Um, all the doctors I've talked to, the specialists, the ones that do the actual uh, lung transplants, they'll all say the same thing. They don't know what causes 
pulmonary fibrosis, which is what I have. Okay. Uh, they have no cure. They have, except a transplant, they have no idea how it begins. They do think that it comes from the environment. Oh, okay. And yeah. in my case, I'm trying to prove that it comes from the environment I worked in. I worked in uh, a leather factory. I was exposed to chrome, which is oh. uh, a very, very dangerous chemical. Uh-huh. And it's affected my lungs yeah. since 1970s, late 1970s. Uh-huh. And still affecting my lungs. But right. trying to prove that to the compensation board is almost impossible. Oh, yes. Yeah. And has uh, your <laughs> situation gotten worse over the... Uh, last few years then? Absolutely. Uh -huh. I'm down now, I'm, I'm to the point where if I have to go any distance, like from here to the basement garage, yeah. I have to, my wife has to wheel me down in a, in a wheelchair. I can't walk it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm yeah. on 24-hour con uh, concentrated uh, oxygen. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, just going... As I said, like go, just going to the restaurant yesterday was uh, very, very taxing. Yes. Uh huh. Did you uh, use a wheelchair to get there? When we got to the, I walked, walked into the restaurant. Oh yes. Yeah, but I did use, we did use the wheelchair to get to my car. Oh yes. Yeah. So now you mentioned pulmonary fibrosis. Um, that makes me think of uh, comedian uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh, is yours similar to what he had? <laughs> I really don't know. I yeah. don't know what it was that he had. I know that the, uh, the medications he was on were not very nice. The medications I've been on have not been very nice. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, they've got to come up with a medication that has bad effects as well oh. as trying to cure. Oh dear, yeah, that's too bad. <coughs> uh, so are you now on the list for a double lung transplant? No, I have, uh, I have now to go, but now that the angiogram is finished and, and clear, I have to go back to Toronto to talk to the transplant team and the final decision will be made as to whether I receive the lungs or not. Oh, okay. We'll have a we'll have a say in it as to whether I want to do it. Yeah. And they'll all also have a say. Now, when you mention the angiogram is clear, you mean that there are no uh, blockages uh, to the heart. That's correct. There's nothing wrong with the heart, and there's nothing wrong with any of my arteries. Oh, all okay. clear. Uh huh. And. Um, do you have any idea um, how long before they make the decision? Absolutely nothing, oh Devin. Nothing at all. This yeah. is what's frustrating, I think, and I and I'm sure that we could talk to anybody that's had a transplant. It's, it's the same case with them. That it's frustrating not knowing right what is going on or what's happening because there's so many doctors involved. Yes and they have to pass the information. Sometimes it takes four months to get information from a doctor in Toronto to a doctor in Peterborough. That's which is, terrible, isn't which it? Which is eh? terrible. It's yeah. a terrible way to do things. Yes. Yeah. So you have no 
um, idea of when you'll hear. Absolutely none at all. Uh -huh. None at all. I'm hoping that within the next couple of weeks that I'll hear from Toronto and have to go up there and then uh, we'll get into this thing, into the nitty gritties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then will will you will you be able to to come back here to uh, Peterborough and uh, and stay until you hear? Yes. Uh, yeah. I will have a pager. Yes. And apparently I will have about three hours once the pager goes off to be at the Toronto General Hospital. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the time you get. Wow. That's that's really something. Yeah. So you have to be ready to leave at a moment's notice pretty well, much. Well, once we get our pager, we'll be ready. We'll have bags packed. Yes. One for myself and one for Lorna. Yeah. And uh, once we once we do that, we'll be headed up the hill and... Yes. You know, and God knows what comes after that. That's right, yes. Yeah. If you had the chance to say... Uh, something to um, other people who uh, are thinking, kind of vacillating as to whether they'll sign the, the card on the, uh, the back of their license or whether they'll get a, an organ donation card. What would that be? I would urge anybody um, to uh, sign their donor card. There are people like me, there are people like who um, would, would, would be able to see again, um, their hearts would be stronger. I honestly believe that we have the technology that we should be using it. And your body, in most cases now, are, are cremated. So why not take those organs that we can use and use them? Yes, yeah. Um, there is a person that uh, I'm on an email list with that says, uh, don't take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here. That is beautiful. That, that, that's awesome. That's I, a great way to put it. Yeah, I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can. Um, yeah, you're right. Don't take them to heaven. Leave them here for seven people to help them live longer. Well, I wish you all the best, and uh, I'll be anxious to hear how you're doing and how you recover after the transplant. You'll hear all about it. You only live below me. <laughs> <laughs> you're close. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Devin. Thank you very much. And that was my interview with Peter Day, who, uh, as he said, is a neighbor of mine lives uh, two floors uh, above me, and he is hoping to get on the list for a double lung transplant. I do hope that you get the chance to follow up with him. Yes, yes, it would be uh, good to be able to do an interview next year with him uh, mm. at about the same time, and he could tell us how well he's doing and uh, in his recovery uh, phase and that sort of thing. Here's hoping that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, you uh, folks may remember that a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed, uh, we interviewed Andy Frank, uh, and uh, he is uh, from Accessible Media Incorporated, uh, and they covered the Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament. 
And I was delighted during the first game of that, and I, I followed most of it except for the, the Sunday morning, unfortunately. But I followed uh, most of that, and I was delighted to hear that one of the players is a native of Peterborough, and he is Wyatt Harvey, and we were lucky to get him to uh, come and chat with us uh, today. Hi there, Wyatt. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's great that you were able to uh, sneak away from work and uh, and pop in here. Mm-hmm. So um, let's uh, go back a little bit, if uh, we can. Um, you uh, you are a native of uh Peterborough, and do I understand that you went to Adam Scott Collegiate? I did go to Adam Scott Collegiate. Uh-huh. And um, when did uh, you uh, begin uh, enjoying hockey? Oh, I started playing hockey around 1999. I was probably about 9 or 10 years old. I played regular, fully-sighted, organized hockey for the first 10 years of my hockey career and then switched over to blind hockey. Ah, Okay. Hmm. Did you find that you uh, had enough sight to um, play with the uh, you know the regular uh, on a regular hockey team, or was that a little bit taxing? When I first started, I was definitely vision impaired. I wasn't quite legally blind yet, so I learned to play with an impairment, kind of sheltering myself from situations where I would look unnormal. But I got through it with sheer determination and was one of the more harder working players on my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much harder you had to have tried and how much better of a hockey player you became because you had to do that. It was definitely a lot more work than the other players put in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you uh, sustain injuries related to that, do you think? Uh, no, not necessarily. Like, I played full contact hockey, and honestly, I might have got blindsided a couple of times, no pun intended, but <laughs> I threw my body around just as much as everyone else and had fun doing it. <laughs> what position did you play? Um, throughout my regular hockey, I played usually center or defense, defense more my early couple years. And with blind hockey, I started with center, and then when Canadian National Blind Hockey Association got the national team together, they asked me to switch back to defense because ah. I had some experience with it. and. It's worked out pretty well. The past two national blind hockey tournaments, I've picked up best defenseman, so I must be doing okay. For, All right. For the team or for the conference? Uh, for the tournament itself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Oh, oh Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so how did you find out about Canadian uh, blind hockey? I heard about it, I think it was around 2009, 2010, when Mark DeMontis started his Quest to the West, roller skating across Canada to w- raise awareness. And after I found him, I found the Toronto Ice Owls who play blind hockey in Scarborough and been playing with them ever since. How often do you uh, have to go to practice or to play? Uh, We play weekly every Sunday between October and March. Oh, wow. Yes. So uh, do you have a ride there or do you have to take a bus? I am very fortunate to have a loving girlfriend that drives me every Sunday. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) A support team, all right. Yeah, that's great. Super. Um, So, um, but you do live here in Peterborough and you work uh, at 
Canadian Tire, I understand? Yep, I live and work in the north end of Peterborough and Canadian Tire, as you said, on Tremont Road. All right, that's that's great. And uh, how did you find um, the tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago? Unfortunately, your team didn't get the championship, but you were second best anyway. Yeah, it was an unfortunate outcome for our team, but I feel like it was a total success for the national team program itself. We wanted to go into the tournament with East facing West in the final and not have the States in that final game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, second place is not a failure. Right? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Heavens, no. <laughs> That's, uh, were we expecting to win? Uh, honestly, I think we were deemed the second best team. The Team West had the best two players in the world on them, but we were had a deeper team, and we ended up surprising them in that first game just with hard work hard-working play and really opened their eyes mm -hmm. and then like you said in the final we ended up losing in overtime but we lost to future teammates for the national team so it's not as hard as it would have been if we lost to the USA right okay how intense was that uh, that last game if you lost in overtime it was it was really nerve-wracking like when we got the power play in overtime everyone thought that'd be it yeah especially considering they got a B3 penalty, which meant they had lower vision players on the ice for that penalty kill. But Sorry, how does that work, a B3? So the way blind hockey works in the competitive division is it's a point system like blind um, basketball. Mm -hmm. So you can have three B3 players on the ice, two B2s, and then your B1 goalie. So when said player gets a penalty, you, if it's B3 player gets a penalty, a B3 player, right, a black helmet, can't be on the ice for that penalty kill vice versa with a b2 so can you explain what b3 and b2 and b1 are so a b3 is a player that has between 10 percent and five percent vision a b2 is typically five percent to one percent and a b1 is basically zero percent vision okay hmm. and you are i am a low b3 i'm just on the fringe of being a b2 ah okay so it's yes. somewhat frustrating, but I don't want my vision to get worse. So. Right, no. no, no, for sure. Especially That's... not just for that arbitrary line. Exactly, right? yeah. yes. Yeah. I'd rather have as much vision as I can, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so B1s, which are the totally blind, they uh, only do the, uh, the goalie positions? Typically, yes. The USA has a couple B1 defensemen. Wow which is yeah. amazing in itself. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about the puck. So the puck is a roughly three to five times larger than a regulation blind or a regulation puck. It's about five inches wide, two inches high. It's made of metal. It's filled with ball bearings and makes a ton of racket. And it doesn't get off the ice much, hopefully. It gets off the ice as m much more than you would think. It sounds pretty heavy. It is significantly heavy and, well... Ouch. I'm so used to playing with a blind hockey puck, I can barely even handle a regular puck anymore. Really? But as a defender, I mean, you got to put your body in front of that thing. That's no fun. Well, speaking of that, I probably had about 40 block shots in those four games and several bruises on top of each other. Oh, I'll bet. Have yes. you got, like, body armor? Full-on medieval uh, knight outfit or something? <laughs> I just had regular high-end hockey equipment, but I think I'm going to have to come up with something more than that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, wow. just, a, just a regular little puck is, is super painful. I can't imagine. I mean, it's got to be twice the size, three times the size. Yeah, it's three times the size, probably three or four times the weight, but 
honestly, I believe a regular puck hurts more just because it's going so much faster and the point okay. of impact is so much smaller. Okay, okay. Uh, we never got to, us girls never got to play hockey at school. I went to school in Brantford, mm -hmm. the, uh, what was then called the Ontario School for the Blind. But the guys used to play with uh, a tin can for a puck yep. because it made lots of noise on the ice. Mm -hmm. And uh, they played against each other, and then they also did a, a, an annual staff student's uh, hockey game, and uh, the staff had to be blindfolded as well. So That sounds interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bet some of the players embarrassed the, the staff. I'll bet you they did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do believe the students uh, won a few of those games. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody uh, listening to this have had a, a son or a daughter that wanted to get involved, are, are, are women involved as well? Absolutely. The, just for example, the Team USA has two women on the team. Cool. Oh, right um, on. There's a couple Canadian females that are applying for the national program as well. Mm-hmm. So hear that, ladies, all you folks that are playing hockey out there. We need more ladies in the, in the sport. Is that yes. Right? Yeah. It's co-ed, so it, it should be. For sure. Exactly. We're trying to be as inclusive as we can be. Yes. And I know a lot of really great uh, hockey players in Peterborough, a lot of women hockey players. So we got to get the word out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. So how would uh, someone uh, go about um, finding out what's happening and how to get involved and that sort of thing? They could go to blindicehockey.com. And on there, they, I imagine they'll be able to find Matt Morrow's the email address, and he'll forward any questions or inquiries and help um, locate the closest blind hockey program to you. Super. Well, do you folks practice locally, or is there a regular meetup, or is there a chance for folks to get on the ice and try the sport and stuff like that? Like, wh wh when do you meet? When does that stuff happen? Um, the closest program right now is in Scarborough. Oh, no. So I would love to have a program at Peterborough. It would help my gas bill for sure. Yeah, I'll kidding. say. And yeah. like I play as much as I possibly can. So if I could have a game in Peterborough, even if it's just monthly to help get people started in a sport, I'd love to. Yeah. Well, we do have a Canadian Council of the Blind uh, chapter here. Maybe what I'll do is um, uh, play this uh, for them so that they, they know that it exists. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, chances are we'll be in touch uh, in the future as well. Well, what's the minimum number of people that you need for a team? Six, seven, eight? Um, I don't even know hockey that well. As long as we had a handful of people, we've in the past in Scarborough, we've had sighted players fill in to kind of make teams more full and just right on play yeah. along with the sight or the vision impaired people. Do you do you play in any other leagues still? Um, no, I I stopped playing regular beer league. If, probably around 2012, 2013, when it got harder for me to see the regular puck. Yeah, hey. So I'd, it was super fun, but just too difficult to play with that regular puck. Fair enough. Now, uh, if sighted people got involved to more or less fill out the team or whatever, um, did they have to wear anything to uh, kind of put them on the same playing field as the blind players? Um, not necessarily. Um, we've had fully sighted goalies go in net blindfolded before, but for regular skaters, it's they probably deem it too unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> to not have that experience, being able to navigate 
Yeah, it, it depends on the player and if they f feel comfortable doing it. Like, we definitely welcome it and could get a hold of some simulation goggles or something. Mm -hmm. Hmm, yeah, we have a lot of simulation goggles at CPD, Council for Persons with Disabilities, when mm -hmm. they're... Uh, Time in My Shoes program. Yeah. Got a whole yeah. couple of boxes of those things. <laughs> I've got an idea. No. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you get the peeps out there with some goggles on or something. That would be Oh, my right, gosh. Eh? We could... Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Ah. Good, good uh, thing to follow up on. Mm -hmm. Should get into promotions, this guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Call up the peeps. And it's off-season, so they don't have to worry about injuries. That's right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Full speed into the boards or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that happen? Do people, I mean, I don't want to sound ignorant to the situation, but like, if you can, do folks smash into each other at full speed? Do people hit the boards, hit the net, um, hit the hit the officials? Boards, nets, and officials typically don't happen. There are some incidental contacts between opposing mm -hmm. teams on the ice, some intentional, some less than intentional, <laughs> to make okay. it look like it's unintentional. Right, you get some eager <laughs> eager skaters out there. I broke my nose last year from Ouch. a player that would typically dodge me, but skated right into me no face Ooh. cage uh the cage is what actually broke my nose oh no <laughs> that's how fast i was skating into <laughs> oh my goodness oh no ouch but even with a cage you can still look like a hockey player <laughs> oh geez now at the moment this uh blind hockey is not part of the paralympic games is it no currently uh, we're aiming to try and be considered for the 2026 paralympics Cool. That would be neat. Is it just neat, player sorry. number of players? Is that the only? Um, it's a number of countries involved that yeah. have programs. Mm. Currently, we just have two countries with full programs. Right. We have a, one player from the UK, a couple from Finland that came to our summer camp who love it, and they say they know a couple of people better than they are, and they already have a goalie and a B3 player, so they're wow. part of the way there. Yeah. So they're just getting the word out there. Yeah. The USA Hockey is having a, what they're calling the World Cup of Disabled Hockey, May 2020 in Las Vegas, and they're inviting any country willing to come. Are you going? Oh, I'm definitely going, You're yes. going to Vegas to represent Canada for... I am. Oh, wow, that's All awesome. All right. <laughs> that's super. So, uh, so was that um, hockey tournament a couple weeks ago the kind of the last for this particular season? It was in Canada. The weekend after, they had a... USA Hockey had a... Disabled Hockey Festival in Tampa Bay, Florida, which I was not able to make it to oh. because of financial reasons. Yeah. Um, I have a, The next game I have is in Collingwood next weekend, Saturday the 13th. It's a kind of a local charity game. Oh, cool. And then my next event after that is July. It's the national team selection camp in Toronto. Ah. So you've got to show your, your best skating and then you might get chosen or... Yeah, this will be the last uh, part of the tryout process. Oh, I believe cool. there's um, 22 players going to be invited to this, and they might select 15 to 17 after that. Oh, wow. wow. But you're a two-time defensive MVP <laughs> at an international uh, event, so... Yep, they selected the team, the very first national team after the national tournament last year. Wow. And I was one of the last selected, and then the GM came up to me afterwards and, like, you really think we're not going to select the national team best defenseman yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of cool. made me sweat it out and picking me last but yeah, I feel I like you gotta wear that badge all the time that's pretty cool right yeah but i don't take anything for granted and then i got my work ethic from when i played regular hockey so yeah 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 right on i used to live in collingwood so uh that that definitely uh generated some interest mm -hmm. um do you have players from collingwood on the 
Ice Owls uh, team? Um, we have one player, Randy Banks, who commutes maybe once or twice a month whenever he can oh. to come play with the Toronto Ice Owls. And then he's the one kind of running this charity game and putting the word out there in Collingwood. And it sounds like there's a ton of interest. The Ice Owls? Yes, the Toronto Ice Owls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's, that, for some reason, that name is, sounds adorable to me. I don't know. And then the uh, funny story is the Montreal Ibu. Or the oh, second... that's an owl as well. Exactly. Oh. You know your French. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of uh, took our name. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any words that you'd like to pass along to any potential hockey players there, Wyatt? Well, I'd probably just say if that if hockey is something that you love and want to try, there's nothing really stopping you. You can do anything you want to do. There you go. That's yeah. that's very good advice. Yeah. Right on. Thanks so much for coming in to chat with us and especially sneaking away from uh, work. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I got a nice extended break today. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Thanks to your manager and so on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope that we can uh, be in touch from time to time to find out how you're doing. Uh, um, if you have a, I guess you do have a Facebook page, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get, uh, I'm not very good on uh, Facebook, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll get Simon to uh, follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, we have an Insight Peterborough Facebook page, so we can, we can connect on there and, yeah. and share anything that you, uh, that you send our way. Sounds great. Terrific. Right on. All right. Uh, And we've been speaking with Wyatt Harvey, who is a member of the Canadian National Blind Hockey uh, Team. And that uh, participated in the tournament, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, thanks so much for coming in. And uh, I found out that I had in my music uh, collection... And uh, I don't know whether you may have heard this one before, Wyatt, or not, but uh, it's by Big Bob and the Dollars, and it's about uh, Gordie Howe. Okay. Yeah, it's called uh, Various? I'm not sure. Do you want to play it right now, Devin? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so here it goes. Gordie Howe is the greatest of them all. The greatest of them all, yes, the greatest of them all. You can have your choice of all the rest. If you're a house fan, you've got the very best. From floral Saskatchewan, his story all began. It didn't take him long to be known throughout the land. He's all-star right winger of the NHL today. Hockey fans from everywhere just love to see how play. He's one of the Red Wings, a team of great renown. And when it comes to hockey, how's the best in town? He sets up all rookies, playing on his line. We know they all thank him because he is so fine. Gordy Howe is the greatest of them all. The greatest of them all, yes, the greatest of them all. You can have your choice of all the rest. If you're a Howe fan, you've got the very best. Oh, Howe is a big man, he stands six foot two. He plays defense center and on the wings too. We can say without doubt 
he can even play net. We know that Gordie Howe is Abel's best bet. Just count all the trophies Big Gordie has won. Records on records, he makes it look like fun. For total points, he has him off beat. And the goal record, Howe will soon be. Gordie Howe is the greatest of them all. Greatest of them all, yes, the greatest of them all. You can have your choice of all the rest. If you're a Howe fan, you've got the very best. It was Howe, Lindsay Abel, a line we can't forget. The greatest line in history, not to be equaled yet. Since went past the Lindsay, head then back to Howe. He flickered wrist and blinding speed and a big roar from the crowd. We mentioned before of his talents galore And how how makes it so easy to score We all think he's great, his name will never fall Gordy Howe is the greatest of them all Gordy Howe is the greatest of them all The greatest of them all, yes, the greatest of them all You can have your choice of all the rest If you're a half fan, you've got the very best. If you're a half fan, you've got the very best. If you're a half fan, you've got the very best. All right, that was a song about uh, Gordy Howe, and he was among the very best. And uh, Wyatt Harvey is among Peterborough's very best. Yeah, we, we seem to get a lot of uh, kind of elite uh, sport and other types of folks on this on this show. We're pretty fortunate, hey, in Peterborough. We are, yes. Right on. Uh, this is the second to last uh, program of the uh, spring season. We don't know exactly when we'll be uh, on during the summer, but... Um, we will, or Insight Peterborough will be on, and uh, I will, uh, Simon and I will probably take uh, the odd week off, but not together. So um, we'll keep the program uh, going, and um, we'll let you know uh, maybe by, well, no, we won't know officially even next week. Uh, but uh, we do have a, a show lined up for next week. Um uh, but there are a couple of things coming up. In the meantime, of course, there is the uh, Easter Seals Telethon, which is taking place this weekend. Mm -hmm. And then next weekend, um, Trent Radio is having the Good and Country Marathon on Friday. And then um, they're also doing an extended fundraiser throughout that weekend, and um, I'm going to have a program on the Saturday morning from 10 to 11, um, and it's uh, called Canadian Country Classics. So if you're a country music fan, I do hope that you will uh, give us a listen, and if you're a Trent Radio fan, we do hope that you will uh, go online to the Canada Helps and uh, and donate to uh, uh, keep uh, Trent Radio uh, on the air because it's uh, super community radio and um, uh, 
it, it, we need to help it uh, along and make sure that it uh, it stays uh, on the air. And so those are two things that uh, I would uh, suggest. Uh, what are you up to in the next little while, Simon? Well, there's lots of stuff going on. Uh, so there's some really cool programs going on with Junior Achievement right now. Uh, so every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we get two classes of grade 7 and 8 students up at Venture North, and we're doing some uh, entrepreneurship company experience programs Great. with them. It's pretty pretty neat. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to Hamilton, I guess, for a... Uh, CFL football officiating clinic and wow so there's all kinds of stuff going on in my world Devin but uh, looking forward to the next radio show and I think we've we've got to find a good time uh, for the radio show next summer I guess so w we don't get a chance to do morning shows right the, the programs don't even start until noon or oh they don't start till four or five o'clock okay so we've got to find a time in the evening yeah yeah so, so uh, uh, Simon and I are going to sit down after this show and uh, over a cup of coffee or lunch or something and uh, chat about that. And uh, and then uh, it'll be up to the powers that be whether we get what we request. It might be interesting to, to hear from you folks what makes the most sense for our listeners. I mean, we don't know who's out there, so if you can send us a message on Facebook or on uh, our email address, which is insightpeterborough at gmail.com. Uh, it would be great to know what times work best for you, too, because we're flexible. Uh, it'd be great to select a time that people will, are available to listen. Yeah, that's right. Listener input is always important. Yeah, and, and they're always welcome to send us a message and yeah. ask a question or, or encourage us to try a, a certain thing or, or invite somebody onto the show. Always looking for stuff. Oh, definitely. Yes. And there are things happening during the summer that we should be knowing about and following up on. So uh, we definitely want to hear from you um, if you're involved with a, a summer event. Um, I understand there's a special needs baseball tournament, uh, which uh, Peterborough has been invited to send a team to. So... Um, we're trying to follow up on that and get someone in here to chat with us about that. And uh, there are all sorts of things happening, so do keep us informed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Meanwhile, I think it's just about time for us to uh, get out of here, is it? It sure is. I've got something on uh, YouTube lined up to take over. And, all right. Uh, yeah, we're we're happy to uh, to have another great show and... Looking forward to talking to everybody next week. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.